Yo, Chad, what if I told you there's a platform that could completely revolutionize your hiring strategy in a matter of hours? Yeah, I'd call bullshit. Well, it's not bullshit with AI for jobs powered by our friends at This Way Global. Okay, I'm listening. Uh, While everyone else is fishing in the same old talent pools, AI for Jobs can source over 160 million diverse candidate profiles. This Way Global has established unique partnerships with over 8,500 trusted diversity partners. So wait a minute. All of the hard on-the-ground work is already done. That's right, Cowboy. You can discover 300 qualified candidates per job rack instantly. Wow. It's like having a candidate sourcing magic wand. (laughs) Dude, if you had a magic wand, you would have Mexican pizzas all day. Mm. Uh, Stop distracting me, Sowash. AI for Jobs Advanced Matching Algorithm analyzes past applicants using trillions of historical matching events and over 1,600 data points. Now that is what AI should be doing, saving recruiters time on sourcing while they provide a white glove candidate experience. Let's wrap this shit up. I'm hungry. Listen up, kids. Revolutionize your hiring process today by jumping over to thiswayglobal.com and checking out AI for Jobs, where you can learn more about how to leverage AI for your recruiting instead of just writing poems and grocery lists. That is thiswayglobal.com. We out. What happens when four podcasters walk into a bar, have a few beers, and press record? You're about to find out. Jason Cochran and Ira Wolf from the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization podcast join Joel and me on this episode recorded live from the Raskeller in downtown Indianapolis. Enjoy. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Okay, what are we talking about, kids? How was Vegas? How was Vegas? You guys looked well-rested and you looked recuperated because we're so young and spry. It was Vegas, dude. I don't feel reinvigorated. I don't feel like it either. Yeah, but you ran a mini marathon on Saturday like a dumbass. <laughs> Family traditions, man. What am I going to do? That is peak male performance to be able to go to Vegas. <laughs> Which and nobody said yes. about Joel Cheeseman in his life. Since the 80s. Three words nobody ever said about Joel Cheeseman. Peak male Physical, performance. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's Never. real, right? Never. That's going to be the name of this podcast. <laughs> the name of this podcast is peak male performance now. Beards and beer, peak male performance. Okay. So seriously, we're getting toxic good levels. We're, we're good. <laughs> test, test, test. Another white boy with a podcast. Another white boy with a podcast. Have you guys heard that song? Uh-oh. Oh, it's fucking awesome. Another white boy with a podcast. Yeah. So what do you want to talk about? So what was the talk at Unleash? What, what were some of the hot topics that you guys were talking about with leaders? Build by or partner was one of the things that we talked about because of all, everything that's happening in tech, chat GPT. I mean, all that fun stuff. So that was one of the things that we talked about. But I mean, we literally did 10 plus interviews. So pick a topic. So we have a dichotomy of your knowledge workers are getting 
laid off to a certain degree, tech workers, which I think is inevitably going to be a good thing because they'll all start companies that hire a bunch of people and get a bunch of money. So I think that's inevitably going to be a good thing. And then you have still a, a high level of stress around seasonal, hourly, frontline type workers. And their, their stress is automation and how quickly and do we automate many of the jobs of the frontline workers. So I think if, if you looked at, for me, like a trend was looking at knowledge base and the challenges they're having, as well as the frontline workers and the trends on that side of the aisle as well. In addition to that, we still have a war in Europe. Uh, we have mounting tensions globally. We have an election coming up next year. So a lot of things going on in the fringes Plenty of things that are to impacting, talk about. <laughs> impacting, uh, impacting hiring. Layers, shall we say. Yes. Layers. It's an onion. That we peel back. <laughs> and it makes you cry every time you <laughs> fucking you peel cry, it yes. back. So what, what's it, what was the general mood? I mean, were people still holding back? I mean, is it fearful where, where the economy is going to go? Or is it, hey, we're going to take a step back, but after that, we're going to have a, a big opportunity? I feel largely like we're in a bubble. Like we're hearing about inflation. We're hearing about all these things, sort of macroeconomics that are that are struggling. And we keep hearing we're recession. we're still hiring like a mother. I yeah. mean, we are still, we're not investing in companies in our space as much, but we, we don't stop hearing about people still need people to serve food, to take care of patients, to you know, store warehouse goods and services and deliver them to people. Like at a very basic level, employment is really strong while we hear so much in the news that things are going wrong. So- Hopefully that continues. But I think I uh, think a lack us. of funding is good though because we had way too we had we had a sugar oh, rush drunken. on on funding. <laughs> yes. yes, I mean it was horrible, right? Now I think we're going to get an opportunity to see these startups actually perform or get eaten up or just die, which is exactly what we need. We had way too many startups, too much noise, too much shit out there that needs to be filtered. But is HR tech kind of lost in the tech bubble? or the tech collapse, you know, in the technology industry. But the reality is, as you said, I mean, there's a shortage of people. There is no out. Most people don't know this, but, you know, up until for the last 40 years, we've had 2 million new bodies, not qualified bodies, but 2 million new people, <laughs> millennials, baby boomers, even Gen X, come into the workforce every single year. And we had immigration on top of that. For the next 20 years, we're going to have less than 500,000 new people from Gen Z and Alpha and no immigration. So there, there literally is no people coming into the workforce to replace this. So we are going to continue to have shortages. But HR tech seems to still be focused on the old practices and falls into the tech bubble. Isn't this an opportunity, though, to kind of disrupt and transform where we're headed, how we're going to deal with people, new opportunity? Um, but their, their heads are still stuck up their butts. I got four words for you, Ira. <laughs> Chat GPT. Uh, if there was one theme at the conference. <laughs> I think one of those was an acronym, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey. I was digging into my inner uh, living <laughs> color from back in the day. Um, Chat GPT, AI, all these things are going to disrupt what we're going to do. It's going to disrupt companies that currently do what Chat GPT or other AI uh, technologies can do. It's going to disrupt a ton of companies, create a bunch of new companies, and we're going to have a good time talking about all of those for sure. And with Chat GPT is Auto GPT now. It's like what could possibly top Chat GPT? Now it's Auto GPT, oh, which sit is back basically and watch. Yeah. yeah, like here, here's the project I want you to work on. Crazy. You put in the parameters, and then it goes and does it. And I heard this crazy story, nightmare scenario with it that just happened to somebody. 
they put a project in front of auto GPT. Uh-huh. It ran into a wall, a problem that it couldn't solve. Mm-hmm. So what does it do? Kill all the people. Kill all the people. That's right. It starts the AI apocalypse. It kills everybody. If you're listening to the show, you're one of the few ICBM remnants of humanity that's left. Seek refuge in Indianapolis, Indiana. That's the only reason we're surviving. Indianapolis is a refuge. No, it actually, that's hilarious. It actually went out and it tried to secure a contract with somebody on TaskRabbit who had expertise to solve the specific problem it couldn't solve. So it posed as its human and was negotiating a contract with this person. The TaskRabbit contractor sends the contract over to the human and the human's like, what is this? What's going on here? And it unpeeled the layers and realized and then it, and then it got a bank account to pay this contractor. <laughs> exactly. And then naked photos started coming. Well, dovetailing on that, there was a, there was another one is what happens when uh, chat GPT is based on all the information that's out there. So it reads an economics book and it reads, reads a psychology <laughs> oh, great. book. Just what we need. And it, and it we reads a try, psychology book. We should double book. down on trickle down economics. Yeah. Yes. And it reads about behaviors, uh-huh. uh, psychology. So now it can negotiate with you based on your public profile. <laughs> So, I mean, you have all this, but it looks at all your feeds, how, how you behave, how you respond to things, what's your outlook. So, and it's, so think it, about that in our space, right? AI will be able to look at your profile, where you've worked in before, where you've worked before, what your title was, what the average salary of that title is based on the years that you were there yeah. and come up with some sort of a salary that it thinks you'll be taking because of your past. It won't happen because, because salary transparency is going to get rid of all of that. Okay. So that's, that's a non-starter. Carry but, on. But how about inter- just interviewing you? I mean, it's going to be a, it's going to be a lot smarter than a lot of people. Who yeah, are it may come up with a salary based on the in standardization. Well, that that makes yeah, sense. That makes but, sense. But, but but yeah, but it has to also take a look at all the people that you're currently employing. So, yeah, I mean, they, they, it could happen. There's no question. But back to your original question, until H.R., gets a fucking spine, a spine, and learns that business is what runs everything that they do, right? What what they're looking at every day is, oh, wait a minute, my whole life is predicated on this new opening or onboarding or, or what have you, right? No. If you understand the actual businesses that you serve, sales, marketing, you can talk to the CEO and CTO about their business, then you can get more budget. Why? Because they understand that without you right now, before ChatGPT, they need people to ideate, to create product, to sell product, to customer customers. service product, to be able to expand wallet share, right? To do any of that, you need people. HR, the limpest of all departments, they go into the corner, they put their thumb in their mouth, and they get in the fetal position. We need to be stronger. Less limp. <laughs> Less, Less limp, limp is what we need. We're hearing any cool stories how chat GPT is being used by HR leaders currently? HR leaders, not as much as as staffing organizations and startups. We see because they're more innovative and they're not afraid. Once again, HR and TA, for the most part, they're afraid because they might you know trip over some compliance tripwires that might be there. Everybody else is out and they're out in force using it. Yeah, and to add on that, I think writing job descriptions is an easy one. We're seeing vendors integrate that into their solutions. We're seeing some of the the basic sourcing, the first contact, if you will, of candidates being automated, rejection letters, things that you would normally do content-wise, 
are being automated by ChatGPT. And a lot of it is just not even just vendors doing it, but just people on their own are figuring out where to go, what to put in, uh, how it works. I mean, this thing has what more users than anything else that came before it in a shortened period of time. So a lot of people are using this and, and messing around with it and coming up with their own solutions. I think also interestingly, Chad and I have talked about our, on our show how job seekers are being creative around chat GPT and creating profiles and replying to tons of jobs and passing pre-screening questions based on chat GPT. Uh, passing tests. Yeah, oh, pass yeah. Full scale tests. Actual copy tests, like actual yes. writing copy that's doing better than most of the apps applicants that are humans. Well, I mean, it counts on your resume if you can write the prompt, right? You can exactly. engineer the prompt, prompt for ChatGPT. I mean, that's, that's right. real, yeah. right? It gets trained. It's the fastest growing profession. Yeah. But but the thing that you mentioned there, I still remember so many times Kevin Grossman, who's a friend of ours in Canada Experience, would talk about how many times people would apply and then they never hear anything back. So at least with AI... It's like, are you actually getting a rejection letter letting you know? That's a huge step forward, right? To actually get some which kind of communication sad. back. Which is sad. It but is it's actually getting done. sad. Because we, the problem is that, and again, this goes back to Ira's initial question around HR. We have never been able to scale past the resume and the fax machine. As soon as we were able to start getting resumes electronically couldn't scale since we have not been able to scale since hence all of these black holes mm -hmm. that exist. So if we go back three years, the pandemic revealed all the vulnerabilities of a company and then it created opportunity realizing what remote work could look like yeah. the technology people were unprepared. So chat GPT and just AI in general, because now I put it into our hands. I mean, just pulled off the bandaid exposed all the vulnerabilities of, of HR because we're I've been in HR for 27 years, but you know, ran, been in business for 40 years. And you've only been in therapy for 25 <laughs> of those 27 years. For, for all for 45. <laughs> the, the challenge is, is that we're still talking about people faking resumes. And this just put it on steroids. This is when Chad goes into his Web3. Yes, CV NFTs. Wallet. Watch out, baby. Watch out. <laughs> right. I mean, that's, that's the transition where, where people were saying, well, okay, we're, we're trying to digest chat GPT. We're trying to figure this out. Just give us yeah. time. We're going to think about it. Yeah. We're going to put it on next year's strategic plan. It, tech is moving <laughs> so fast, you can't put it in next year's anything. Right. It has to be next week's conversation. And, and again, going back to the HR is so slow and so spineless, we've got to be able to react. We've got to be more nimble. And I'll, I'll revert back to one of the interviews that we had with Jeff Lackey, who used to be over all of C, CVS hiring. 90% of his budget came from other departments because he went back out to them with business cases and said, look, wait, you want those salespeople to get hired? You want those customer service? You want this, that? We need funding. We don't have enough funding to be able to sustain. So you're top five positions right now for us is your top one, maybe half position. So if you can fund us, then maybe we can talk. So he went back to the business to talk about these things, right? We need to think about HR in an entirely different way and we need to be more nimble. He was nimble and he taught his team how to be nimble. We have to. I, I joke on the podcast about one day we'll have robots interviewing robots. He's really not right? joking. And no one, 
<laughs> no one will see anyone until they show up for the first day of work. And we're, we're sh- sadly going to a time where job seekers are automating, companies are automating, and uh, robots are interviewing robots. But yeah. you guys brought up a perfect use case for NFTs, right? The non-fungible tokens. Like so many times, I'm a big proponent. I'm on the bandwagon with you on Web3. Uh-huh. But so many times the detractors would be like, NFTs, there's no use case for them. Just as long we- as you don't call them NFTs. I think you're, <laughs> you're, you're right. okay, right? Yeah. Just like you don't call it blockchain, right? You don't call it blockchain. You're like, oh, okay, I'm okay with that, right? Yeah. It's like, here's a product. Here's what the product does. Oh, that's fucking cool. It's NFTs and it's blockchain. Oh, wait a minute. Give me away from that thing. But I mean, the use case, you just brought it up is it's going to be really easy for people to fake things that they contributed towards their experience and stuff like that with AI. So there's got to be like proof of authenticity of the things that you actually contributed toward. And then also you can't have guys like Joel that are trying to pose as Drake coming up with music (laughs) that sounds exactly like Drake. Gotcha. Uh, You know, so there's got to be this proof of authenticity on the artistic side of things too with what's being done. Fortunately, I was born to look like Drake. So the voice isn't that big of a a leap for me. So let's get into this. LinkedIn has recently partnered with Clear to verify profiles. So are you are you bullish bearish hold on LinkedIn verifying profiles through Clear? Yeah, I don't trust them. And it's because I don't have any That's stock a bearish, in LinkedIn. I'm guessing. It's selfish. You're selling bearish. You're selling LinkedIn. Ira, what about you, Ira? What do you think? On profile verification through blockchain and or LinkedIn slash clear. What else is out there? Anything? Well, I, I think it's that's the direction, but it goes back to we have no guardrails in place. So so part of it is is utilizing that to verify it to make sure people are actually who they are. I think it's a good thing. I mean, it goes back sure. to what we were just talking about with resumes. Do you have your blue check, Ira? I do. All right. Which means nothing. Which fucking means nothing. It means he submitted his ID to to Elon Musk. It means something. Means nothing. (laughs) And I went through the LinkedIn process. That's why I'm. That's why I'm bearish on it. We're going towards a blue check ecosystem. People are going to need some sort of verification, I think, going forward. Whether it's blockchain, whether it's NFT, whether it's guardrails come in with Europe. Because Europe is actually setting the stage for the entire world for a lot of this technology with with guardrails. GDPR was, and in, in what, from what we're hearing, it was really just a mechanism to slow the American machine down mm-hmm. because we were so far ahead of Europe. And now we have to think about, oh shit, if we want to sell things in Europe, pretty large, you know, market with 44 plus countries. So how do you, what do you think about that? Compliance, guardrails, do you think that Europe is really going to lead the way since the U.S. is really just focused on cash as opposed to how it treats its people? I'm not sure leading the way is the solution because we're still globalized. There's countries that aren't going to participate. But Let's have, say Germany. Let's say Germany does. Why'd you pick Germany? Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> the right? biggest Why GDP in Europe, and we're here at the Raskeller drinking German beer. Most. Anyway, if one of those countries does it, it's much like California putting in um, right. regulation, right? The rest of the country really has to fall in line. Right. Well, we, we all know that Reddit is the 100 percent source of all truth. <laughs> <laughs> and what I saw on Reddit, you didn't know Joel was Q, did you? <laughs> oh, you're Q? He's an on. <laughs> you guys are famous. <laughs> but yeah, on on Reddit, they were talking about this subject. And what was really fascinating about it was how many users of chat GPT have said, that basically the governor has been put on chat GPT already. They'll put in the same types of questions or prompts. Uh-huh. 
and it'll give a response like, I'm not qualified to answer that question or to put some kind of a disclaimer <laughs> out there and it won't actually answer it. Yeah. 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 And so we are kind of in this weird space of, we do want it to advance. We want it to be able to help us innovate and create new product services, solve problems. But then we also have this problem of, yeah, is it going too fast where it's invading privacy or is it stepping beyond its bounds of what it actually has competence in? Is it actually fabricating and creating false information? Definitely fabricating shit. Right? <laughs> yeah. But you can create the regulations and the compliance and the guardrails. Mm-hmm. But then you have China and Russia. How do you force enforce compliance? You stop them doing business in your country. That's how you do it. That's the only way you can force China or Russia to do anything that you want them to do is, is choke off the cash. That's it. But you're talking, you, you, uh, well, you talk about no backbone, you've got yes. Congress. I mean, when they're, when they're trying to figure out how Facebook still makes money. Yes. And don't realize they changed their name and they have a no, new business model. So I think they might go back to Facebook, by the way. <laughs> Someone from the audience brought up a good, a good question. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, perfect. There's all this confusion and ID, ID verification lead us back to a time where we just hire who we know, like personal friendships, contacts, who knows who, which throws in a whole other diversity, inclusion, and equity yeah. challenge to that. But do we go back to who we know? Like, we don't know what the bots are telling me. What is AI telling me? I'm just going to hire the dude I went to school with, and they know somebody that, that wants to be an, an intern. Then organizations better hire people that are is really well connected. what you know, it's who you know. Like you. What about me? Like you guys. They need to hire people like you guys. Then it knows everybody in the industry. Middle-aged white dudes. Yes. For white dudes. Could be the fallback position, but I don't think that's ever the answer. And and, and most of these companies are making record profits. And for them to say that I can't efficiently go after, fuck off. Use the money that you have. Go diversify your workforce and then build from there. One of the things that we did, don't want to get too political, but back in the 80s is we started cutting off funding from employers putting money back into their employees. Trickle down mm-hmm. economics, we were like, hey, here's all these tax cuts. You're going to put it back in the market, which they, they never really did. Instead, Back then, they were incentivized to drive and build talent pipelines within their own organization. Today, we don't do that. We talk about talent pipelines. There's no company that has a talent pipeline that exists. Very few, put it that way, right? So we need to get back to actually building talent pipelines within our communities. And then our then our companies start to look what our communities look like, right? I mean that it, whether it's policing, whether it's just Fortune 500 companies, we need to get back to that. And when we stop focusing on quote unquote shareholder value and we focus on the long term existence of an organization, then then I think we you know then I think we have something. Okay, listener, how can you help your employees become more productive? I have answers. How about automating? manual and repetitive tasks, giving meaning to data, then allowing that data to actually drive decisions. And how about matching people to your jobs quicker? Well, wait, the Chad and Cheese has a new LLM? No, Cheeseman, I'm talking about text kernel. Ah, okay. That makes more sense. What I'm hearing is the groundbreaking concept of, wait for it, Yeah. simplicity. <laughs> Seriously, though, seriously, text kernel cuts through the complexities like a tortilla chip through some hot nacho cheese. Oh, my God. Really? Nacho references already. Anyways, 
TextKernel brings efficiency and productivity to your operations. TextKernel seamlessly unifies your tools and data to drive efficiencies and success. TextKernel is creating new opportunities for your recruitment journey. Kind of like adding guac to my barbacoa burrito. Oh my God. How about extracting meaningful insights from data? I mean, that that's something. Swiftly matching yeah. people with jobs, automating repetitive tasks. Who knew such advanced concepts were even possible in the land of human resources? Uh, we did, Chad. We did. Dude, wrap it up. I'm a little hungry. Imagine that. Uh, okay, listener. Get ready to use today's tech to drive efficiencies and productivity. Visit textkernel.com. That's T-E-X-T-K-E-R-N-E-L.com. Mmm, nachos. <laughs> so going back to your question, Joel, yep. do we move back toward human connections of who we know because we're comfortable with it? But it wasn't very good before. I mean, we, we hired people that we were comfortable with and we got what we got, but it was a low common denominator. Yes. And just as over the last three years, we've talked about how it, we can't build relationships. You can't build cultures through a screen yeah. because there's no serendipity, that we, we're just no creativity. But that's only because most people don't have the ability to do it. Yeah. So yeah. part of it is, is do companies revert back to that? just as they are now, is bring everybody back to the office. Because that's the only place you can have innovation, growth, serendipity. Have you seen the new Upwork commercial? Of course. Yes. Okay, so the, so the zombie grandpa yeah. who can't die because he's afraid of his company going under because all he could do is hire his kids and his grandkids, yep. and they were shit for talent. So <laughs> then he goes to Upwork, and he's like, I've got all these talented people all over the world, right? Yep. That's exactly what Iris is talking about. So, I mean, we keep going back to this lowest common denominator, what we're comfortable with, going back to normal, which we can't do because it wasn't very good before. But we have we have CEO after CEO talking about we need to go back to what it was. We need to go back to the office. We need to go back to a That's because they're all old white dudes. And most of them have ownership in commercial real estate, which is a, a side issue. But <laughs> where are you with remote, hybrid Get your ass back in the office. Where, where do we go from here? All of the above. That's actually, it's one of the parts we talk about. So we're talking about it in the wrong context. It's not about hybrid in office or, re or remote. It's about flexible. Is people want flexibility. Autonomy. And flexibility. Yeah. So they're not opposed to coming back to the office. When you come back to the office, come back to the office because there's a purpose to come back to the office. Because it's the absolute only place where we can function or do something. But I spoke last week and two weeks ago in Missouri. And one of the people shared to us, she said, you know, I went into an office yesterday and walked down the corridor and there were 10 offices. It was, it was a marketing HR kind of business. Uh -huh. And... No one was there. And she walks down the office and she hears voices and all the doors were just marginally cracked and everybody was talking in their offices to each other. So they were in an office <laughs> on a screen call, sitting at their desk, talking to each other. There is no reason in the world to say I had to hire childcare. I had to leave somebody. I had to commute an hour and a half yeah. to come in this meeting to sit in my office to talk to somebody in the next office because everybody talked through a screen because everybody was busy and they don't have to pay 100% attention. But if there was a reason to come back, I think this is a brilliant model and it's from uh, Cushman and Wakefield. We just interviewed uh, Brian Bertholdt a couple weeks ago on it. And they have a model called experience per square foot. And it looked at 
productivity was number one. Uh-huh. They looked at the productivity of people wherever they are. It looked at collaboration. It looked at employee well-being. Uh, it looked at community. Uh, and it looked at communication. So those were the five metrics. And they put it into this measurement of experience per square foot. And they said, where, where is it the highest value number? The highest number, you know. My brain hurts. No, where, where they're playing Juice Newton, Morning Angel. That's where the experience yeah, that's is. Right. I work. That's, that's, right. that's the soundtrack of this podcast, by the way. It's an interesting model, and it puts it in a different perspective. But where, do, where does that happen? And that's the problem of thinking, are people more productive in the office or remote or hybrid? And it, it still mounts to flexibility. Is what Because even... The four-day work week, which, yeah. you know, now regenerated for the 15th time. I still wear my khakis on Friday, no matter what. <laughs> Casual Fridays. That's not very they productive. they still have wing juice on them. <laughs> they still have the plates <laughs> that go all the way down. Anyway. That's not flexible for people. They have a, a working spouse, and they have to be in the office Tuesday. So do I have to be in the office Tuesday. We have to find childcare for one day. Yeah, that's dumb. That, that's not flexible, which means you piss somebody off, and they don't want to do it. So what's flexible? How, how do you create flexibility? And that goes back to HR and their alignment or business and their alignment with HR. What's the measure? What are you trying to accomplish? How do you measure productivity, communication, collaboration, employee well-being? How do you put all that stuff into a mix? So I am, am I hearing you say work work from like going back to the office is bullshit? The story you just told, no. the story you just told was it's bullshit. If it's a mandate, it is. When is it not? Companies need metrics. Why are you bringing people back? What metric does that work favorably? What are you going to accomplish by bringing people back to the office, mandating it, that you can't accomplish if they work somewhere we, else? We shouldn't be... Fo- okay, so first and foremost, Henry Ford came out with the 40-hour week, week in the 1920s, okay? That's still where we're at. We're focusing on the amount of time that we're taking or that we're quote-unquote giving as opposed to the outcomes. I don't give a shit if... And, and I didn't care when I was building teams, if it took you 20 hours to get to the actual project, you know, timeline or not, it didn't matter. And when we start to get into that old 1920s nine mindset of the, oh, we've got to be, we've got to be there. And this is manufacturing. We're, most of us aren't in manufacturing now because America doesn't make shit. So now 40 hours a week doesn't mean anything. So here's the tie. So it's not only that flexibility yeah. is not only where people work, it's about when they work mm-hmm. and right. what are they doing when they're working. And how much they get paid. I can't tell you how many times that we talk about flexibility also comes about when people get paid. So pay, oh, yeah. Yeah. day pay, going back, you have hourly workers, you have senior leaders. He just flipped it but, on us. You yeah. see that? They went from Juice Newton to Smokey Robinson. I'm, 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 I'm a little bit out of my own. I'm a little confused. <laughs> It's a Rathscaler playlist, by the way, guys. <laughs> when does Hasselhoff come on? Jeez. By the way, when we talk about day pay, getting paid, you know, hey, I work three days, but I've got a bill. I've got to go to the emergency. Are we in favor of day pay? Yeah. Oh, yes. fuck yeah. yeah. Absolutely. All right. Just making sure. It'll never work because obviously it doesn't work for Fiverr and not work. And, <laughs> and since all the banks are basically we love being it, demolished. It'll never work, says Ira. That's not how the cash society works either, all your tradespeople. So basically you get paid when you work. So I can go in and do that. The biggest percentage is not frontline workers who use it. The biggest percentage is not necessarily C-suite, but management. Is it because it's not available to frontline workers? No, it's just when they make it available, the highest percentage of users turns out to be managers and above. Okay, Okay, that's the percentage. But that's just a side (laughs) issue. (laughs) Okay. 
So you're telling me SVPs are taking daily yeah. pay. Yeah. News to me. People who don't need the money, but they want to get it into the account quick. Yeah, so that, yeah. two reasons. Reinvest. Well, yeah. SVPs don't live day to day. That I've ever read was that it was for frontline workers. It was for frontline it, you know, workers. Hourly pay. Okay. I've never heard of anybody building this oh, okay. for, so, for executives. This is news. This write, is new to me. Write this down. Yeah. Write okay. this down. So the original point was that the objection I hear with that is that, Oh, we asked our payroll company and they say they can't. Or we asked our managers and it'll mess up our accounting. Okay. So the problem is, is that there is a demand for it. There's a purpose to it. There's a reason that you can attract and retain employees if you offer that type of pay that, hey, I've worked a week. Why don't I have to work another week? Because I'm all stressed out and I don't have money to get my car out of the garage. I don't have time to take my kid to the doctor because I need cash. Yeah. Because the payroll system or the accounting system or the managers don't allow it to happen. Or cash flow. Yeah. So we keep going back to there are solutions out there that have been around for five, 10 years that companies just trip over their feet with policies and administration is go find another payroll company. Go find, figure it out. Yeah. But if, if, you, if we're giving you a way that will attract and retain people and say, hey, the only reason I'm going to work for you is because I can get paid by the day. I don't have to wait two weeks to buy groceries for my family or to pay or get my landlord off my back because I can get the, the money right. that, that I put in and earned already. And somebody comes up with the brainy idea is we can't do it because our HRS system doesn't do it. Our payroll company says we can't do it. Our CFO says we can't do it. Get rid of them. Yeah. Change it. Yeah. And get one that has brain. Bitcoin reserves so that you know that they have the liquidity. <laughs> Did the crypto king just say something? <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. Sorry. You know, the other p- part of this, too, we're talking about the money side of it and where people work is when people work. And Yahoo just had a fascinating report that came out on millennials and Gen Z's. You know what the new nine to five preferred work? Working hours are for millennials and Gen Z, 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. Sign me up. More shocking is Yahoo still has breaking news. news You heard that first Yahoo. That's right. Looking for a sponsor. But yeah, that absolutely just floored me that like the other part of this freedom is not just where you work, but when you work. It shouldn't fucking matter. That's what we need to get down to. It is like, look, if I have goals I have to hit. Right. If I hit those goals, it doesn't matter when I work, how I worked. If I was at the strip club down the street, for God's sakes, I got shit done. Right. If I'm coding while I'm having, you know, prime rib with with cherry, it's okay. Well, I think that's what this report was showing was that there needs to be that flexibility. Like Uh, if that's when they're saying those are their productive hours, when they deliver the most value for the company and it works best in their schedule. Why not? They were like doing a rager and then they went straight to work after the (laughs) the same arguments going after the shift is that, hey, we can't find somebody, so we don't have enough nurses, we don't have enough staffing, and we have a 7 to 3, a 3 to 11, but you do have people that can work from 11 to 7 or 11 to 6. Then the problem still goes back to, but how do we do the accounting for that because our models are set up. They're all hourly anyway. It doesn't matter because it does matter. It's paid on hours. But Ira. It's how they scheduled. It That's goes back bullshit. to, but it goes back to what you said, <laughs> right? It's their policy is that it's we have my our, pterodactyl wouldn't eat that kind of food. Give me a break. We have a template that says seven to three, three to eight, 11 or three to 11, 11 to seven. And the fact is, is that we'll get a new template and I go, well, we check with our, our HRS system or ATS and it doesn't allow that. 
hours are hours. They, that's one right. thing that hasn't changed during this entire workday. The only thing I heard is that strip clubs should be open 24 hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, when I retire, I'm giving all my money to charity. And if she's not working that night, it goes to <laughs> Well done. Well done. Were there any fears around uh, the second bank collapse with uh, First Republic when you're out in Unleash? Here's the biggest problem, even before we get to Unleash. The biggest problem was we were starting to come out of this, like Joel was talking about, like this bubble. We're starting to come out of this kind of like pensive, like, do we spend money bubble? And then SVP throws all this fucking ice back in the water, which was getting nice and cozy, right? We're getting in the hot tub. It was feeling good. It was warming up. The bubbles were going and boom, they threw ice in the motherfucker. So we're we're, we're in that we're in that now rewarming up phase. Then we had Republic. <laughs> I mean, we, Signature yeah. Republic yeah. today. Jamie Dimon's uh, feeling really good about getting First Republic on a pretty cheap basis with all the protection from the FDIC. Still yeah. the smartest guy in the room, Jamie Dimon. Thank right. You. Are you struggling to attract the talent you need today? Do you lack visibility into where your recruitment ad dollars are really going? There's a better way. Acquire ROI is a programmatic job advertising platform built to optimize your budget and supercharge hiring. Acquire ROI automatically manages and measures recruitment ads across job boards so you can allocate your budget based on insights, not hunches. Get to quality candidates faster and cost-effectively scale hiring across roles, all while gaining complete visibility and control over your recruitment marketing investments. Say goodbye to manual guesswork, inconsistent performance, and wasted spending. And hello to optimized automated campaigns that produce qualified applicants. At Acquire ROI, we make job advertising easy. Visit us at acquireroi.com and start transforming your talent acquisition today. Thank you very much. Until he opens his mouth. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's exactly. Until, yeah. back in the office. until he mandates everybody back. <laughs> yes. Morale will not improve. Him and, him and DJ The Saul. meetings will continue until morale improves. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, Unleash was, I mean, it was, it was a big show. It was great. Big expo hall. Third year. Like yeah. Stellar. That was yeah, yeah, that was only year three, right? So it was it was Not big. Consecutive. Yeah. And then we've got Wreckfest that's coming to America this mm-hmm. year, right? So I mean, you know, we're I think we're gonna see a lot of growth. It's just can we keep the ice out of the water? long enough for some of these funders and some of these startups to be able to really just explode. Were there any Web3 companies there? <laughs> I don't think so. Were there? Joel's over here. I think there was, He's got a story. There was, the house. <laughs> <laughs> there was one that actually did an announcement that week, and that's CV Wallet, and that's out of the UK. So Richard and Beverly Collins, who actually sold a company to Indeed, they're now getting into Web3, it's a portable CV, which allows, yeah, wallet, which allows all of the credentialing, all of the background checks, all that stuff that actually stays with me, not the company. Because it's not a background check on the company, it's a background check on me, right? So I get to keep that as I go from company to company and I apply for as long as I want them to have my information. So I, I see this as evolution. We'll see if we can actually get adoption with that evolution. Does it support NFTs? I'm sure it does. I, yes. I can't imagine. So if there weren't vendors there, was there, was there conversation about Web3? Very very little from my perspective. I mean, isn't yeah. that the problem? Yeah, well, it, okay. Everyone's living in chat GPT shadow at the moment. Yes, right. yes. But here's the thing, though. you got to remember, how much did we talk about cloud computing? We did for a minute. It was like, oh, this is the coolest thing in the world. And then it just wasn't there, but it took over the world because it's actually kind of like a white labeled solution that's happening behind the scenes, right? Same, I'd see the same thing happening with Web3. It could power some amazing tech, 
But it's not something we're going to talk about. There's yeah, no it's, reason It's to. fascinating right now. Web3 was really picking up steam, and then AI came on the scene. Well, and then and then certain companies went out of business that were crypto or, I mean, I think. Yes. I mean, they sneeze and everyone's caught a cold. So they're sort of uh, guilty by association. And I fear that Web3, blockchain, crypto, NFTs, like, do they all get lumped in the same thing as be careful, don't touch. I think it's a long game where all this stuff plays out. But for right now, I think there's a lot of fear, uncertainty, and doubt around anything blockchain, crypto, NFT, Web3. There's not a massive yeah. So, So is it not happening right now? Or is it just that people are, let's lay low. If you get into this like CV wallet, it's the long game. I mean, you're, you're not flipping this thing in 24 months. It's, it's the long game as far as I'm concerned. Somebody's going to want to buy it. That's the thing, though, because everybody wants to do a resume differently. And we've been bitching about it. Which for- goes back to the uncertainty. If this is just another company I can buy and sell and acquire, they're going to have to convince people that CV Wallet Web3 is different than LinkedIn. And that means you can't just sell it to another company. Otherwise, you're just putting your resume and profile. I can't apply for a job on Indeed with my LinkedIn profile. I can't apply for a job in all of these other places outside of Indeed, right? Can you apply on Indeed with my CV wallet? Yeah. I mean, that's that. Well, that's the whole thing is that if you can if you can create these things and LinkedIn doesn't create it, Indeed doesn't create it, but you have a third party do it Mm -hmm. and they have these integrations with assessment companies and whatnot. The practicality of something like that happen goes up tremendously. As soon as Indeed builds something like that, you're going to have half the market not want to do it. Like most job boards will have apply with your Indeed profile and apply through Indeed. If it works. If it works. (laughs) I mean, they have it. So uh, the promise of blockchain and particularly Bitcoin is right. Bitcoin is beyond any government. But you're missing currency. Indeed has a bunch of fake ass profiles. It's one of those things where if something that's credentialed, that's something that is, you know, is real and it's portable for us as a user, it just makes sense, right? There's a messaging problem, a narrative problem, as, as, as you say every week for Web3, blockchain and crypto, right? I agree 100%. They just need kick-ass marketing. So let's go back to, I mean, something you just said just popped in my head. So if you go back and, and we figure this out and, and let's say the wallet becomes the new resume and we have a better way than in the LinkedIn profile. How do companies, one is how do you verify the skills that you can build any resume? Well, they're verified within the actual uh, assessments and the assessment vendors in your wallet. If the assessments are measuring what's important. Or they're reputable. Yeah. But yeah. people are still hiring. And I came from this world. Yeah. I mean, people hire on personality and behavioral styles. So how do you hire people that actually have the ability one is the knowledge and the wisdom yes. and the ability to apply it. Yes. So I can take all the courses and skills and have 30 years of experience. But how do you verify that I actually could apply and I'm willing to apply? Testing simulations. Those are the biggest those are the biggest keys. And but they have to be part of the web. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Well, that's part of the credentialing part. So you're demonstrating yes. your ability. It's not that I just went to school and and I clicked this off and I had 10 years exactly. of experience and I and I met all my goals for 10 yeah. years. And, and Jenny did all my tests for me. Yes. <laughs> so. You know Jenny, too. <laughs> She's from I think she's friends with yeah, charity, she, isn't she? <laughs> she's friends with yeah. charity. Yeah. Jenny's just short for generative AI. Right? <laughs> That's right. So what we often say. Too smart, Ira. Like <laughs> humans are still going to have like certain skills that AI can't do. I'm a little skeptical. I don't know I gotta how be honest. long, though. That's, I, that's me, too. So I'm just curious from your guys' perspectives, what are those things that nuance, emotions? 
So that's one of the concerns is that AI in the future that we can't replicate human compassion and empathy. Yeah. But you can replicate the behavior. But what's the difference, Because most Ira? people do it r- robotically now. Yes, that's so, what I mean. So you go, is how do I become more empathetic? It doesn't mean the person gives a shit about yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the reality is, is they act like they do. Yes, like so, most and, and then And then the person has to have the, the ability to discern, are they authentic or not? Yeah. Which most people don't have that ability <laughs> to discern it because, oh, he gave me a paycheck and he really likes me. And he's a Browns fan, so he, he <laughs> so, must be full of yeah. shit. Right, because we have something we have Oh, something are you a Browns common. fan? <laughs> I'm a Browns fan. Oh. You and Drew Carey. <laughs> yeah. You got something to say? Two of them. No, I'm a Colts fan, so I'm in misery, too. <laughs> hey, so I was listening to a podcast the other day, and it talked about military preparation. And it said that in military battles or, or like war games, that AI will typically do whatever it takes to win the battle or the war. So it will sacrifice soldiers in order for the big picture to win the ultimate prize, which is the war. Whereas human beings would look at sacrificing people as maybe we shouldn't do that. Maybe there's another way. Yeah. So to answer your question a little bit of like, yes, there is something to be said for human beings because we would look at that and say sacrificing humans Mm -hmm. isn't just an algorithm. These are people that live and breathe and have families, et cetera. I think there is still nuance. So here's, this is interesting. Yesterday on the way out here uh, on the shuttle, met guy. Galactic. Went through the airport. Turns out he's Blue a three-star general. <laughs> so he oversees one of the defense organizations with, with the government. Three and a half tr- trillion dollars, 250,000 contracts. I asked him, I said, hey, you want to be on the podcast? <laughs> he's retiring. I said, love to get you on the podcast, talk about what the future is. Yeah. He said something like what you're using for AI. His answer was that they're not focused on AI. He says the biggest value that they see is business intelligence, is where they're, where they're looking at AI is not in the strategy. Really? Is in analyzing all the data that they have to make better decisions leading up to how, where do they invest their money? But yeah, it but is, I mean, it, that would be ML and AI at the same point, right? Because right, you have all it, that data not, to not grind. To, it's not about the human life. It's about how do we make better decisions yeah. about how many... F-16s do we really need? And who's the best vendors? And how do we have higher quality? And they're not even using that yet. They're not even at that level of using the business intelligence to the level it should be. And now we're, we're already extrapolating out to who's going to make that final decision about, you know, is this going to sacrifice more human lives? Mm-hmm. So we've, we've got a long way to go. And, and, you know, as we always say, where's Matthew Broderick and his monkey when you need him? <laughs> That's drones, a great point, though. Drones on the battlefield. That's what clears up this entire conversation. Yeah. Boston Dynamics <laughs> right. with the little dog robots. We're not worried about human lives when we got drones in the air and we got the little Boston Dynamic dogs. But I mean, that's that's a really fascinating point with sometimes having like we've got a ton of information, but we're really terrible as humans a lot of times at knowing what it's telling us and organizing and synthesizing. The human capital reporting is a mess. I mean, we just got into this a few weeks ago where there was a report that came out in February mm-hmm. on human capital metrics. Now, public traded companies are supposed to be disclosing this stuff. And what what absolutely blew my mind of the S&P 500 companies, only 23% of them are still reporting anything on culture. And of the 23%, 50% of those 
what they are reporting on culture is an engagement survey that they do two times a year. Poll survey. Yeah. And that's it. So they don't care the culture in the first place. And but they never people did. are our most valued resource. <laughs> what are you talking about? As resource as is correct. <laughs> to be consumed. As long as they're white middle-aged males, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then they're our most valued resource. That's right. And heterosexual. I mean, yes, yes. Don't I forget mean, I, that you one. Can't, just the, the hypocrisy of corporate America who says, first and foremost, that employees are the most valued, right? And then there's like, get your ass back into We know what you want is what you want, but we don't care. You were incredibly productive, but get back into the office, right? DEIB, the most important thing in the world. Oh, wait a minute. Let's go ahead and cut all the heads in DEIB, right? And diversity, equity. And don't you dare have a marketing campaign. Don't you start. Don't you start. (laughs) Don't you dare put that face on a Bud Light can. Yeah, the trans community doesn't need to know about that beer. They don't drink beer. Come on, people. They don't drink beer. (laughs) Yeah. And and, and a great campaign, but then Anheuser-Busch folded like a fucking cheap card table. They did. And that was on product. That wasn't even on on employees. So if they're gonna if they're gonna fold that quickly on product, they're not even thinking about employees. You fucking kidding me? (laughs) It's all just fluff. What I'm really hopeful for is with AI is that we're not gonna get more data, but we're gonna make better decisions with it. And so imagining the day when there's gonna be an AI agent sitting at the table in a boardroom and just look at board members and say, that is a terrible idea. That's the stupidest thing I've heard today. And here's all the reasons why based off of data, the data from Star Trek. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But being able to refute a lot of things that I think that often get conflated as fact, but are strictly opinion or the ways that things have always been or the way that they've looked at data. Oh, yeah. I really hope that that there's going to be more objectivity that comes to it. We've got to get better than 23% of S&P 500 companies reporting anything on culture if you're going to say that you care about people. We can't even get economy right. The shit that we talk about as rules and economy is basic theory. It has nothing to do with rules at all. Our economics 101 that you go through in school is total bullshit. They're talked about as laws and it's total theory, right? We can't even get the thing that's most important to us right. And then we want to think about, oh, wait a minute, employees. Oh, okay. Yeah. But at least we learned how to square dance in high school, right? That's a good point. Yes, that's a good point. At least you in square dance in high school. You had to have. Broke dance, square dance. I did it all. I did it all, baby. And he still does. I'll break out the running man right now. Pull out the piece of cardboard. That's what I want to see. <laughs> break into Electric Boogaloo, the classic. Who else is hungry? Is it just me? I yeah. feel like the super fans sitting around the table. I could use a Reuben. Time for food and another beer, kids. Ira, Jason, thanks for inviting us out. What a pleasure. Thank you for having us. This yeah, is a blast. Wrath Skeller, we're going to have to do it more often. Amen. Monumental meeting. And with that, another one is in the can, another beer on the way, and a Reuben is cooking in the kitchen. We out. We out. Wow. Look at you. You made it through an entire episode of the Chat and Cheese podcast. Or maybe you cheated and fast-forwarded to the end. Either way, there's no doubt you wish you had that time back. Valuable time you could have used to buy a nutritious meal at Taco Bell, enjoy a pour of your favorite whiskey, or just watch big booty Latinas and bug fights on TikTok. No, you hung out with these two chuggleheads instead. Now go take a shower and wash off all the guilt. But save some soap, because you'll be back. Like an awful train wreck, you can't look away. And like Chad's favorite western, you can't quit them either. We out. How much do you understand the future of finance? 
I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.